I'm Karen Lewis, and welcome to Recovery Bites, a show that gets real about recovery, where we welcome voices in the field and voices of experience. Join me for candid interviews with experts in eating disorder and mental health recovery. Listeners can look forward to new perspectives, meaningful conversation, diverse connection, and compelling personal narratives that make a powerful difference in how we live. Episodes focus on life beyond recovery, the good and the not so good, the successes and the challenges, and the authentic accounts of recovered lives. Not their whole story, just bites. All right, everyone, here we go. This is a really beautiful episode we have today. My guest is Jennifer Creatsolis, and wait till you hear her wisdom. Jennifer is a yoga therapist. She talks about working with yoga therapists that are informed about working with people with eating disorders that are trauma-informed. She talks about what it was like relapsing after having children. There is so much beauty and power in this episode. I'd like to say quiet power. Uh, So let's just, as always, let's just jump right in. Here we go. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Recovery Bites. I am so honored. I am sitting right now with Jennifer Creatsolis, and I would just like to welcome you to the show. Jennifer, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. I'm just elated to be here. Thank you. Jennifer, you and I had an instant heart connection when we started talking. And I just, I I feel like this is one of the things when two recovered people are talking, their hearts are open, no judgment, just wanting to connect. And so at on a different level than when somebody has not experienced it. So Jennifer, could you please explain to the listeners who you are and the beautiful work that you do? Sure. Thank you so much. Uh, So I have been on my healing journey from eating disorder for over 20 years and now have the amazing blessing and gift to support others on their journeys um, through yoga therapy. So I am a certified yoga therapist, the founder of Yoga for Eating Disorders, which is a virtual school that offers one-on-one yoga therapy, as well as a variety of courses and groups for individuals, clients, as well as professionals. I love working with professionals, training professionals. It's one of my passions. Um, I'm also an author. My my first book came out in 2018 called Body Mindful Yoga, which explored body image and how we can use the practices of yoga to support us in healing our relationship with our bodies. And um, my next book actually is coming out in April, of 2022, and it's called The Courageous Path to Healing, uh, which is a more personal um, combination of personal story and um, taking 
inviting readers to take little pivotal moments from my story, sharing the wisdom that I gained, inviting readers to take that with them and look at their own story and sharing some, some practices and reflection prompts. So it's a combination of personal and self-help, although I hate that term. <laughs> um, I'm also a mom, uh, two girls, 10 and eight, and a dog who's <laughs> three. I live outside of Philadelphia. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of love in that home. So, Jennifer, there's there's so, I, I'm sitting here and I'm my mind is going in a million directions right now, um, and I I think where I want to start is a little bit about your story because I feel what you went through, and I don't mean to be a spoiler alert, but the second time is a really important thing to talk about. And I've never talked about it on the show. I've never had a guest who's been in that experience. And you are definitely not alone. So could we talk a little bit about your experience? And then how did yoga come in? And I, I don't know if yoga came in before your relapse. Forgive me for not remembering. But so if you could just share with listeners a little bit about your journey. Yes, absolutely. And the, the part of my journey you're referring to, Karen, is you know that of relapsing as a mother. And I so value and appreciate you kind of shining the light on this because I, I agree with you that this isn't talked about very much. And there are a lot of parents, right, who suffer um, and, and, and feel so much shame about that. So it was, you know, literally um, minutes after my second daughter was born that I felt that relapse come on, you know, holding my daughter in the hospital, like with all the love possible for this new life in my arms that I cherished. And, um, my other daughter was just, I just turned two, but I, I felt that, I felt that mindset just click right back in and it had nothing to do with my children. I adored my children. I adore my children, right? So this is, I want to make it very clear. This, this relapse isn't about my children. It was about what I can say now, looking back and learning from the experience, it was about the overwhelm of being a mother and the, the overwhelm of being sleep deprived and how that took like the effects of that on a body going through postpartum depression, um, just feeling so lost to myself. You know, I, I can remember someone asking me like, Oh, so like, what do you enjoy doing? And I, I was blank. I couldn't even, I, I couldn't make sense of that question. I had become so lost to myself in the overwhelm of being a new mother. Right. And I think normalizing that is so key. And also saying, like, look, um, you don't have to end up having a relapse of an eating disorder or any clinical diagnosis to prove how overwhelming motherhood is. Right. I think that affects all women. I mean, how could it not? It's a major transition in one's life. So, you know, I, I vividly remember um, just telling myself, like, oh, I'll just flirt with like a, low grade eating disorder. That's what I would tell myself. I'll just have a low grade eating disorder. I'll just flirt with it a little bit. You know, I'll strap the baby on my chest. I'll put the other one in the stroller. 
we'll go walk for two hours twice a day. No big deal. I'm just going to flow great, right? I was breastfeeding, so I was really, you know, purposeful in making sure I was eating enough to feed my daughter. But I knew that the rules were coming back. I could, you know, the rules were turning back on. I could feel myself really engaging in those rules. Um, and I stopped breastfeeding her at eight months and it was like all bets were off. I mean, things just amped up and I was, I was in treatment before I was in treatment when she was 11 months and my other daughter was about to turn three. And it was heartbreaking because I was in treatment. Their birthdays are two days apart and I, I wasn't there for their birthdays. And I remember that caused me so much grief. At the same time, I knew in my heart that it wasn't fair to my family to continue down the path I was going. You know, um, the story that I share in my, my book that's coming in April is it was Mother's Day and we decided to go to the park, have this beautiful family time together, celebrate our family, celebrate me as a mom, my daughters. And we got to a point and I couldn't push my daughter's stroller anymore. I literally, Karen, couldn't push it. I had become so weak from the eating disorder. And it was in that moment that it was just so clear to me that this is not okay. This is not the mother I want to be. This is not the woman I want to be. This is not the wife I want to be. This is not okay. And my husband and I had this moment where we just locked eyes and we didn't have to say any words. We just both knew like the time had come and tomorrow I needed to pick up the phone and get an assessment for treatment. And that's what I did. And wow, like I remember sitting in groups and just saying, you know, like I love being a mom. It is the most motivating for recovery and the most triggering, <laughs> right? Um, because you're just being pulled in so many directions. And um, when you're dealing with being sleep deprived, and like I said, having postpartum depression, and you're just trying to keep the house, you know, keep the show going, and you don't even know what day of the week it is. Um, it was a really hard time, really hard time. And I can look back and say, what a gift to have gone through that because I am so clear with myself on who I want to be as a mother and what I want to model for my children when it comes to our relationships with food and our bodies, right? And I'm clear with myself on who, who I want to show up in the world as and that, the, that that relapse led me to doing the work that I do today. You know, you asked about my yoga journey. I had started that in college um, but it fell, it fell away when I became a mom. Well, it fell away before that. It fell away. I, I finished graduate school, finished my PhD, got a career, got married, had kids. And in that time, my yoga practice and teaching yoga fell away. But when I was away in treatment in the relapse, I had the time and space to say, okay, Jennifer, what do you need in your life to keep you well? Because gonna have kids for a long time like life isn't going to get easier so how are you going to step up how are you going to do things differently and I reintegrated back into 
yoga, my practice, um, teaching, found the yoga therapy program that I studied for three years and didn't go into that program planning to work with others in recovery that didn't even cross my mind. But then during it, it was the realization of, wait a second, like if I'm going to be an expert in anything, it's recovery. I've been doing it for almost 20 years at that point. Like what else can I speak to more authentically? You know, so combining my lived experience with professional training and now being able to do the work I do um, with my clients and the groups that I lead. And now here at home with my children, doing my best to, to be um, a healthy role model. I want to point out a few things. First of all, I think a part of making you, making you, I don't know if that's the right word, an expert in the field of what you do is not only that you recovered, I even think your relapse adds to your wisdom. Oh yeah. Your relapse, your, I'm going to use the expression climbing back out of it, adds your wisdom. I also want to point out, Jennifer, that my my heart just got so much larger when I'm listening to the courage. By the way, it takes everybody courage to go and get treatment. Leaving two young children do what's best for you and the family. Like, let's not forget, this is better for them for you to go get get treatment, right? That is That had to have been an excruciating decision. Or actually, I shouldn't say that because it sounds like you and your husband looked at each other and were like, oh, it's time to do it. But the act of doing it is, is an act of incredible courage and strength. And I, I just wanted to point that out. That's so kind. And I, I take your words in because it was excruciating. And I, I tried to rationalize and negotiate and, you know, oh, I'll just do day treatment. I'm not leaving my children. I don't want to traumatize them. I don't want them to feel abandoned. You know, I had so much shame and guilt about this. I mean, here I was in my, you know, 30s. And, you know, I say that, but it's like, there are millions of women in their 30s struggling who need to hear like that it's okay. You know, there's no timeline for this. Like you're doing your best to cope with your life. And it's, if it's coming out in, in the form of eating disorder right now, like I want to give you so much compassion and let you know, like, it's okay. Like you can get through this. Um, I, I tried day treatment to, to try to avoid having to leave my children and my husband, but I, I got worse. I was there for two weeks and I was getting worse because I was still immersed in all the stress. And so push came to shove and, and, and I went to residential and gratefully my daughters were very young. They have no memory of it, not none. And I'm, I, I just, I'm so grateful for that. Can you then sort of now go into how yoga, how, first of all, how you use yoga with clients. I, I think it's it's very interesting because eating disorders are not only a mental illness, it's somatic. We feel it in our bodies or we try to numb our bodies. And so 
incorporating yoga is the antithesis of it's not the antithesis. I apologize, but it is it is bringing you home into your body, which is an enormous part of the recovery process. So, what are your thoughts about that, and and how do how do you utilize it with your clients? I always say when I'm training professionals that we you know we must include the body in healing the mind. I mean, the reality is they're not separate right? Like our bodies aren't separate from like, we're all, it's all right here. Right. But the experience of an eating disorder severs the two so severely. And so we can't, I believe, and in my, what I teach is like, we have to include the body in healing the mind. So, um, and I also always hold the compassion for the reality of what you were alluding to is that this is a big ask for people to be in their bodies. You know, this is a big ask. So it requires the individual to feel safe um, or to at least be in a space where he or she can work towards that sense of safety, right? Compassion and sensitivity in the language that's being used guiding the yoga experience, right? So I do a lot of language. My, my PhD is in English, English literature. I love words and I do a lot around language and how we deliver these practices, but also in our own self-talk, how, how we're using language with ourselves. But anyway, so yoga therapy, I'd like to explain is different than a yoga class. Yoga therapy is a typically a one-on-one -on -one experience. And it is using the tools and the practices and the philosophies to support someone in the shifts they want to be creating in their lives. So to make it like relevant, it's almost like coaching, but it's through the lens of yoga, right? Now I'm not a psychotherapist, so it's not in my scope of practice to be doing the work of a therapist. So I'm not processing the past, right? I'm not doing that deep emotional work. My job is to say, okay, Karen, like, what's coming up for you today? What do you want to work on? And maybe you say, well, I'm having a lot of anxiety because my dietitian had to increase my meal plan. And so I'm not the dietitian. We're not going to get into the meal plan, but we can work with, okay, so how is that anxiety manifesting for you? How's that showing up in your body? What's your inner narrative about? And then we can create some grounding tools. We can do some type of gentle practice. I might teach about the role of breath and the nervous system. Maybe there's a yoga philosophy that I want to educate the client on to help create a new perspective around something and then explore how to apply it to, to the, their recovery. Um, so it's, it's very hands-on. And I like to say, you know, where, when things are getting stirred up in therapy or with a dietitian, yoga therapy is the place where we can say, okay, how are we gonna cope with those things in a healthy way? How are we gonna use the resources of our bodies to help us through this difficult time, right? And I think this is another piece that is so key for yoga or any type of embodiment work is that these practices help us learn how to turn toward our bodies to help us through challenging moments instead of away from them, right? So an eating disorder, as you know, 
that's all about turning away. It's numbing, it's escaping, it's changing, it's taming, it's performing, it's, it's denying, right? These practices say, wait a second, you have resources within you to help you cope with that anxiety. Let's learn how to use them and apply them into your, in your recovery. I also want to add, and, and forgive me for interrupting, let's also learn how to train is not really the right word, but I'm going to use it for the sake of this conversation. Train your nervous system to slow down. You know, there is, there's, there's, we, we can talk about many, many things in psychotherapy. We can, we can do things in the nutrition room, but if we're constantly hypervigilant, like let's say you've experienced trauma and now the recovery feels a little traumatic, you're in this hypervigilant state where I, I know for my own self, I, I don't even think I was breathing. I was in a constant like, <gasps> and listeners can't see what I was doing, but I like sucked in my breath and like almost was clenching my fist. I was in a constant state of my own inner panic that yoga is something that you can, you know, we always say, what are some healthy skills you can go to? Well, guess what? You can't always knit during a meeting. Like it just doesn't always work that way, but you can learn how to slow your breath down and you can do that during a meeting. You can go back into your office and do a few poses that are going to bring your energy, your anxiety level down. And and I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's what what I was thinking as you were talking. Absolutely. And that's that is like one of the key components to the work that I do is about helping clients to downregulate their nervous system. And for some, you know, it, it's a big ask to to do some poses or even to move their arms. They're not ready for that. But we have this powerful tool with our hands. So many nerve endings in our fingertips that talk to our nervous system. So sometimes I'm doing I'm doing mudras, which are like hand um, hand gestures. It's often kind of considered yoga for your hands, or we're creating um, you know different different grounding techniques with our hands. Um, so it doesn't always have to look like a big pose. It can be really anything that we choose to kind of be present to. So if I choose to just be present, tapping my fingers, right. And putting some intention in that to help calm myself, that's yoga, right. Um, so one-on-one work that I do in yoga therapy is very much like I described, and, and boy, I just love it so much. I love, I love getting to, to work with clients and, and help them learn to trust themselves and engage with themselves and have another space in their recovery work to heal. Now, through yoga for eating disorders, we also offer some yoga classes. We do different like six week series. We just had a yin series start and we have one starting in October um, on tender and fierce compassion. The latest book by Kristen Naff, one of one of the teachers that I've trained now is going to be teaching, teaching that. And all of those classes, they're not yoga therapy, so they're not one-on-one, but they are, 
um, taught from a trauma-informed, eating disorder-informed, mental health-informed um, perspective, so that hopefully we are meeting people as with the sensitivity and compassion that they need to be able to take that courageous step to do some embodiment work. You know, I, and forgive me, everyone, because I've used this example before, but I, I think I want to use an example for people to understand the essence of what yoga therapy can be like. And my example is I, I began a training in Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy. Oh, great. Well, did you hear me? I mean, I, I began, but I did not finish everyone. No. So I started it like, you're so, I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. No, don't get too excited. Well, I'm just getting excited. I'm like, oh, another yoga therapist I can talk to. <laughs> it is so unbelievable. And, and as some listeners know, I started it while I was a full-time graduate student, which was not a smart thing because it's a two-year, I think it was a two-year program and it's like another graduate degree. And I was like, well, I don't think I've timed this right to be doing this right now. But I do remember one of the weekend workshops that we went to. And, you know, yoga therapy, one of the things it does, which by the way, I'm sure terrifies clients, but it puts you, you're held sometimes by an instructor and it can put you in positions that you don't understand things are going to happen. And for me, I was held in a way that my my back was arched a little bit, my heart was up towards the sky, my arms were out. And for the first, I didn't realize how exposed I felt. And I started crying and the instructor just held me and I said, I don't want anyone to see what's in my heart. I didn't realize that. There are things that we hold unconsciously in our bodies and the body is a powerful way of expressing. When you're using it through an eating disorder, you're trying to express distress and it's it's not getting answered. When you do it through yoga therapy, you can be present in the distress, articulate it. You have somebody there to guide you through it and move through it. I don't know if that made sense. No, it makes beautiful sense. It's so powerful. I mean, yes, that's that's exactly right you know this is a space for people to to connect with themselves and whatever that experience looks like feels like it doesn't have there's no required outcome it's just the, the sake of the experience right and then having the yoga therapist there you know all of, all of my work is virtual on for good or bad but but having the the yoga therapist there to process that with in real time right? Versus like you go to a yoga class and that happens and there's no one to, to process it with, right? Um, there's something just so powerful about having that, that person right there to, to hold you, whether that's physically or, you know, um, uh, metaphorically, right? Um, to hold that space. And this reminds me, I think it's important to say this, and I have a feeling you're going to agree with me, that not all yoga classes and offerings in our world or like our country um, um, are aligned with recovery values. And I think it's really important to just for people who are listening and might be thinking like, oh, maybe I'm going to try a yoga class. You know, I always recommend 
that's that's great to take that step and check out the bios of the teachers. See if there's anybody on that list that says that they're trauma informed or that they they have these some of these trainings or they have a mental health background. Um, look for classes that aren't workouts. You know, there's nothing wrong with fitness focused yoga. I'm not going to judge it. Um, it serves a purpose in in some way, but for sake of recovery, I think those environments can breed the eating disorder instead of heal it. Um, I think they're they can be very competitive spaces, and I think they can tap into if you're someone who has a complicated relationship with exercise. I don't. They're not. It's not going to be very helpful, especially early on in recovery. Um, so just find some offerings that 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 feel in alignment with the values of recovery, not the eating disorder. And that can be challenging, um, but they're, they're out there, you know, find some gentle classes, some yin classes, some beginner's classes. Um, certainly everyone's welcome to, to join our classes online. Um, but I think it's important to say that. It's, it's very important. And when I'm training therapists and we're talking about sort of like, assessment tools and your, you know, how you do the, the intake and whatnot. And I always say when a client says that their exercise is yoga, or I just do yoga two times a week or three times a week, I always say to the therapist, you must ask them what kind of yoga, because that is the difference. Because if somebody is malnourished or binging and purging and then going into a hot yoga class, like there are so many things. And I, I also agree with you. There is a time and place for it that if you are going for strength training and whatnot, but that's separate, put that aside. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people that are struggling with eating disorders. So I always say to the clinician, it is critical that you ask them what kind of yoga, because ours is very westernized. It's so true. And also to just, you know, slide this in here. And it's also as, as important is that yoga, you know, I think think about yoga as yoga with a capital Y, that the movement, the poses, that are just one aspect of yoga. There is so much more than just yoga than just poses, right? And so for someone who's, you know, exploring a yoga journey for the first time, just keeping your mind open to realizing that there's also pranayama or breathing techniques, the philosophy is incredibly applicable to recovery. Of course they are because they're, they're designed to help all people suffer less, right? Um, you know, I do a lot with the philosophies with my clients um, and in the Facebook group that I, that I oversee the yoga freaking disorders community. I think there's just so much um, philosophies can just enrich our approach to healing in, in some really powerful ways. I, I also want to point out that it's okay to be afraid as long as you share that with your instructor. Because I have a lot of clients, I work with a lot of clients that are terrified to be in their body, whether it's from body image distortion or it's from trauma. They don't want to feel their bodies. They don't want to slow down. That is a very frightening thing. And that's also why it's important that they're doing a gentle 
yoga with somebody who know, who understands trauma informed. It is critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we talk a lot about that in the, the mentoring group that I run for professionals. Um, that's just so key. So I'm, I'm wondering what I, I, I want to do if, if it's okay with you, I, I actually want to make a really hard turn if that's okay. I am game. I <laughs> would thank you. And I know you are because <laughs> another, another facet of your life that we have not talked about is that you are a long hauler from COVID. I am wondering a few things. One, are you able to do any yoga? And and I'm going to say that you are because you're talking about that yoga is not just poses. Yoga is with a capital Y. And do you feel that your yoga practice was one of the things, let me say, one of the things that kept you from another relapse because the birth of your child was overwhelming and caused you, and again, as you said, we're not blaming your daughter, but Jennifer, being a long hauler from a pandemic, from something that is still somewhat even new, like we don't even, the overwhelm must be unbearable. I don't know if that's the right word, forgive me. And so do you feel that being able to be in your body, regulate your breath, help with your nervous system, has that kept you recovered? It really has. Um, and I thank you for wanting to explore this with me. Um, yeah, it really, it really has. I think I've taken myself back in my mind to my yoga therapy training, you know, those three years and, you know, being trying to get back in touch with some of the basics of helping to regulate my nervous system. Um, I am trying to do some, you know, purposeful, intentional breathing every day, um, set my timer for five minutes and try to do some meditation every day um, with, you know, some like the affirmation that just keeps coming through me as I do these things is like, I am healing, I am healing, I am healing, I am okay, I am healing. Um, I'm doing some mindful movement, which includes just kind of breathing in and lifting my arms and breathing out and lowering them, trying to move my spine in all directions to keep conditioned, right? So some side bends, some gentle, just twisting my spine. Um, I can't exert myself because, um, well, number one, I'm incredibly fatigued and fatigue isn't even the, like, the right word. It's, I don't know what the right word is. I, I exist as a zombie. <laughs> That's how, the only way I can explain it. And there's just different levels of zombiness. But any type of exertion can cause me to not be able to walk. Uh, I have a hard time talking. Uh, my cognition's screwy. So I'm really trying to work the basics of breathing, helping to calm my nervous system. I spend a lot of time sitting outside 
I feel like nature is just the only thing that really soothes me. Um, I'm not able to drive because I'm so fatigued. So I can walk myself out back and, and get out that way. And that brings me some peace. So I think that um, a very emotional time for me, a lot of grief, a lot of unknown about if I'll get better and what better will look like. Um, so I'm really trying to call on the, the philosophies of um, Santosha of contentment, right? The reminder that we don't have to like what's going on, but can we be with it? Can we breathe with it? Right? So I'm really trying to anchor into that and always ahimsa, right? Non-harming and kind. You know, I'm to maintain kindness toward myself when I'm frustrated that I can't just go for a bike ride with my kids or I can't even walk to the bus stop with them, right? So how do I not turn that frustration on myself, whether that's negative self-talk or, you know, shame or, you know, the types of things that we learn in our recovery journey that don't serve us, that they don't help. So I've, I'm back in therapy because I need support processing the grief and the unknown. And I think having had all those years of therapy going through eating disorder recovery showed me that, that that's a safe and good option for this time in my life. You know, it is one of, for me personally, a hallmark of being recovered, which is when you can go through something so tragic and so significant and look into it, look at it, as opposed to looking away, which is what I did in my eating disorder. I wanted to always look away. I didn't want to look at things. And the reality is, is there's no eating disorder behavior that is going to help this even if it has you forget, it's only for a few minutes and then you've got another stressor because now you just haven't fed yourself adequately and you're trying to heal your body. And that, that takes a, a level of being grounded in your recovery that is pretty powerful. I'm wondering if you did experience any loss of appetite or loss of smell or loss of taste. Not everybody does, but if so, how did you, how did you work through that? My appetite is still a little off gratefully. And I say, when I say gratefully, I'm on my hands and knees in gratitude that I did not lose my sense of taste or smell because I don't know what that would be like, you know, um, that would, I think, would be really difficult. And so my heart goes out to people who are struggling with those symptoms, um, especially those who have gone through an eating disorder or have one. And I think that would really mess with one's head, right? Um, yeah, my, my appetite's been a little weird. There's just some things that really turn my stomach. Like I love salmon, but the thought of it just turns my stomach. You know, there's just things I ate. I ate a lot at scrambled eggs the first six months. I'm going on month 11. Um, yeah, it's, but, but that's okay because I don't, it doesn't cause me to panic or it's not, it's not messing with me. 
you know, it's like, okay, well, I'm proud that I'm able to identify what I can eat, what does appeal somewhat, and to just stick with the basics. Like, I know that I, I got to do this. Like, it's just, it's just non-negotiable. That's exactly it. And, and forgive me for interrupting. This is when I say to clients, sometimes food is literally just fuel. It is not about, I, I want every experience to be lovely where you sit down and you're mindful and doesn't happen. Doesn't happen for a therapist who has 10 minutes in between each client and doesn't happen when you're dealing with an illness where there are times where whether you're hungry or not, Jennifer, it doesn't matter. You still need to feed yourself. Still need to. And in the moments when I am kind of like, oh, I just don't want to do this. I don't care. I'm not hungry. I just want to close my eyes. I don't, whatever. I have two I have two motivators. My children, because I'm not going to sit down at the table with them and not eat. I may eat something different than they're eating because of how I'm feeling, but that is that's it. No other reason. And my work. I'm not, it is not appropriate for me to be supporting others if I'm not doing for myself. And that is a strong code I have with myself. It's just totally inappropriate. So they're my anchors on the days that it just, you know, and it's not because I don't want to eat because of an eating disorder. It's because of how I feel, you know, physically. But I know like that's not, that's not okay. What is it like having two young daughters and having yourself had the experience of the eating just, and, you know, and it made me think of that when you very wisely said, I am not going to sit down at the table and not eat. And I do have clients who have said, my mother has never, or father never sits down at the, I've never seen them eat dinner. And I'm just using dinner as an example. What do you think of when you look at those two beautiful souls and then also reflect on how complicated it is to be a human being in this environment? My gosh, I think that could be an episode in and of itself, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I, my husband and I, we just work together to create the strongest foundation we can for them in their relationship with themselves, with their bodies, with food. So we're really mindful, he and I, about language and how we're talking about food and how we're talking about exercise and how we're talking about bodies. And I just try, when I go to bed at night, to say, okay, only do my best. Terrifies me when they go out into the world. I mean, they're already exposed. I mean, kids their age, like they love YouTube. I mean, I didn't grow up with YouTube. This is a whole new, and I don't even want to get into when they're on other social media platforms and what they're going to be exposed to. I mean, they're already like, they play video games on their Chromebook and they're like, all these diet, like what's this ad about losing weight and all this? And oh my gosh, like it's already starting. Um, so there's the part of me that is, you know, confident and doing my best and I'm going to protect them and I'm going to teach them and I'm going to, you know, girl power. And then there's the part of me that is terrified of, you know, 
this I'm just I'm scared I'm scared for, for for what they will be exposed to and what their journey will be and then when I get into that fear I have to come back and say whatever their journey will be we will be there with them and we'll be there to celebrate the good and we'll be there to help them through the hard and that's you know I just got to be in this moment I got to come back to my yoga and be, be in this moment and know like whatever will come will come um, and we'll get through it. I was just going to say when you said I have to be present and you said, come back to my yoga. And that's exactly what yoga does. It brings you to the present. There is no running with the future narrative. There is no ruminating from the past. The intention is to bring you into the present. Right. And I think it's important for us women who have gone through eating disorders, have children to not project, you know, if they make a comment about something to not read into it to the point of, oh my gosh, I just gave my daughter an eating disorder or, oh my gosh, she's going to have, you know, because it's very easy to go there. And I think we have to really kind of remember like we end and they begin and it doesn't, because that's been our experience, doesn't, it's not their destiny too. Jennifer, I, I hate this part of the episode. (laughs) But we are we are starting to to wind down. We are running out of time for this episode. Before we end, is there anything that I didn't ask you? Anything that you'd want to share with listeners before we wind down? I just want to share the a mantra that really helped me in some tough times, which is begin again. And I just want people to know that it doesn't matter if you get off track. All that matters is you begin again. So if those words resonate, I just invite anybody who needs them to take them with them. Jennifer, I I really, it has been an honor sitting with you. So I want to thank you for being part of the show. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you for the work you do in the world. All right, everyone. That does it for another episode of Recovery Bites. I look forward to speaking with each and every one of you next week. Take care and stay safe. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Recovery Bites. Be sure to visit recoverybitespodcast.com to join the conversation, access show notes, listen to past episodes, and more. You can also find us by searching for Recovery Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and major podcast streaming players. For weekly episode releases, you can follow us at at Recovery Bites Pod on Instagram. If you're interested in becoming a guest on the show or to submit a guest request, please visit KarenLewisEDC.com forward slash podcast sign up to begin the process. I'd also like to send out a heartfelt thank you to my producer, Jen Galvin. It is unbelievable the magic she does behind the scenes. All right, everyone. See you next week for another Recovery Bite. Thanks for listening.